This is Wales. Bangor, Newport, Camarthen, Rill, Bilth Wells, Norpeth, Aberdeer, Port Madog, Colgan, Regent, Aber Avron, Wrexham, Merthyr, Neath. This is Wales. Hello and welcome to the latest Welsh Connections interview. I'm joined today by Deep Purple and Rainbow founding member Richie Blackmore and his wife Candy Knight. Hi guys, welcome to the show. Nature's Light is really about how we feel about our music. It's very basic and very woodsy and not a lot of technical stuff involved, although there can be. And we try to make it as uh, organic as possible. And uh, that's part of the, the build-up of Nature's Light. Would you say or not? Well, I think we've always been inspired by nature, so it would be a natural evolution <clears throat> of our projects to um, entitle a the, the CD or the album Nature's Light. But in these dark times of what's going on with, you know, with COVID and everybody on lockdown and not being able to travel or to tour and our whole industry kind of coming to a standstill, which has been really difficult, not only for us, for our crew members, for the fans. So um, I feel like we, we go to nature more than ever before, um, probably for, for more inspiration, for more escapism from what's happening in our world today. And um, 
because it's been the inspiration, it kind of is the light within itself. It's the moonlight. It's the beautiful light from the sun, right? Every visual that we were seeing was so illuminated and so inspirational that nature in itself wound up being the magic or nature's light, which wound up being the concept of That's the album. Right. Not that we have concept albums per se. I don't think every single song falls in line with the concept album because we usually look at every song individually as a journey. But... Um, as far as the album artwork is concerned or the title, I think that's where we, we're always inspired by nature. So it, it illuminates the dark of, of these times and of our lives in general. Stop.
So is Nature's Light an album that looks towards the future or back to the past? We really have no direction. We just like that organic type of music. So we just wander aimlessly around playing our music, a bit like wandering minstrels. And uh, we have no, no direction home, as Bob Dylan would say. And uh, I think, al- although we go back, I mean, I, my music is 1500s, Renaissance period. And uh, to me, I always draw from that. Candice is the, she's more into the modern music of today. She will listen to the radio where as I won't, right? No, never. And so she adds that little modern tinge just to kind of uh, give it an edge. And I I stay, all the music that I listen to is basically Renaissance music. And it's, that's what motivates me completely. I've been through the rock stages. I love to turn it on, get the strap, I used to play a Gibson, and uh, I got too old for that. So I took up the Strat, and um, I do like to turn up the the amplifier, which is not a Marshall anymore, but it used to be before it became trendy. And uh, and I do have fun playing rock, and rocking out, as they say, but. My heart at the moment, and has been for the last 20 years, is firmly into the grasp of the Renaissance period of that purity, the organic instruments. I think when it comes to our albums that, um, I don't know if we ever really have a direction or even a concept in mind. We just, we honestly get so caught up in the creative process of making the music and each individual song is so important for us to just lose ourselves within the grand scale of the creativity and the creative process. He always creates the music um, first and foremost. And then I he plays it for me. We do the top line. I'll go walk through the woods or take a drive or something and absorb that and try to come up with the lyrics that, that match that the visual of that music perfectly. And um, so, but we can go into the studio and hear all this different instrumentation and play different um, different instruments within the song and I've seen him play incredible things on the guitar and then listen back to it and say you know what I feel like the electric guitar in that spot is too overwhelming let's take it out and put in a a recorder or or a mandolin or hurdy-gurdy or something and I can't imagine any other virtuoso guitarist or well-known guitarist or legendary guitarist is your head going like this now (laughs) are you not listening to me at all no I wasn't listening Um, take out their own works and their own solos and put in an obscure you know a nickel harp or something in the place where that guitar would be so for me I I just always love watching how he assembles and then disassembles and then reassembles and and to see how it winds up at the end of the process is just it's just amazing
Tell me about the cover art. I just love the idea of the simplicity of the sun coming up. It's a new day. And it, it's just, it's a very natural thing. The sun will always rise, as far as we know. Um, I think it's, it's such a, a basic thing, looking out early in the morning and seeing the sun rising. It's, it, it, I don't know, it's that, org again, back to that organic, natural feeling of uh, the sun's coming up another day. What do you have to say? What have you done? You've got the Sarah Brightman song, Second Element, on there. Second Element. Back to Sarah Brightman. Yes, and carry Frank on. And Frank Peterson. No, you can because... We've been big fans of Sarah, Sarah Brightman, for very many years. Um, and her work with Frank is just incredible. And we, we found out that, um, actually, when we heard the song on um, an album that she had done many years ago, uh, we just instantly fell in love with it. Mm. Second Element 2, I think it's like Roman, uh, Roman numeral 2, but there's two versions of it. One she does is more of a love song, and this other one, it's really still a love song, but it's a love song to the element of water and how water is the source of our lives and how you know traveling through, through rivers and springing up life everywhere it goes. And it was just such a fascinating yeah. concept. Um, of course, we're... we're very connected with with elements with earth with nature with fire mm. with water with air with the moon with the sun all of this going back to nature's yes. light again so we thought that it would be a perfect home to do a song that was so entwined with our theory of nature's light in the element of water and that was what the song wound up being the second element which was yes. the water element mm.
wanted you. And what about the red next tune? Wish You Were Here. Wish You Were Here is a great song that we discovered while we were touring. Um, actually, it's before we were on tour with Blackmore's Night. We were touring with one of Richie's other bands. Yeah, and bands. listening, to, well, we recorded it for Shadow of the Moon, 1997, originally. Yeah. So we heard it on the radio when we were on tour, probably with Purple or Rainbow, I think. And it was originally done by the Rednecks. And it was such a great song that when we heard it, we tried to find out more information about it. And it stayed on the charts in Germany for, what was that, 17 weeks? 17 weeks. 17 yes. weeks on the charts in Germany. And um, Richie really just fell in love with it. It's actually one of the, our favorite songs to do in concert. And we always ask the audience for requests, what they want to hear. And it's one of the songs that they always ask for, like repeatedly ask for. So um, although we originally did record it in 97 and kind of put our own spin and our own take on it, um, then after that, we released it again on Winter Carols. And then we decided to do a 2020 version of it. Yes, right? we did. Yeah. So we did the vocal on it. And uh, oh, let's do it. I know it's not. Something like that. You're very famously a couple. How does that work in the band and the studio? As a musician, there is too much pressure in the world. In every part of life, it's pressure, pressure, pressure. Whether it's paying your taxes or doing this, you have to do that. And maybe that's part of why I love the simpler times when one would just catch the plague in the 1500s and it was all over, no pressure. It's amazing how you can get creative um, from friction and pressure. Like you take that energy <clears throat> true. and edginess and you ride off it and come out with incredible solos That's or true. incredible performances on stage or incredible songs. But I think in our situation, I don't feel pressured by our creative relationship. No, absolutely not. There is no pressure with us. That's why we go on stage and everything's just relaxed. I would notice that a lot of people in the audience are very old. I'd say, Candice, there's a lot of old people out there tonight. And I suddenly realize I'm older than all of them, which kind of you know, makes me think, oh, pressure, right. So, but it's true. Uh, the music that we play now in Blackmore's Night doesn't have that pressure. We're trying to relieve that pressure from people's lives, especially with her voice, which is so melodic and comforting, you know, and things like that. It's, and I, I love that music. That's why I'm drawn to it, to get away from the pressure of life. I think that when, um, when we work together, that we know each other so well that we're able to, um, we kind of psychically know and have great respect for each other where the music is going to go. Like he'll, he gives me free reign to write the words and do the lyric, you know, the lyrical concept of it, but not only that, but just also the singing perspective of it, anywhere I want to go with the vocals, mm. he's fine with. And I have great respect for him being an incredible genius that, that where he comes out with these amazing songs and um, really has this great visions to, composing the songs and what they are and what they could be. So I think that mutual respect for each other and the compassion and the fact that we've been together for so long really works in our favor. I wonder if the pressure thing is more for rock and roll world, maybe, I'm guessing. So I would I go on stage with Deep Purple and Rainbow and um, I would be fired up. There was quite a bit of friction there. Mm. And I would use that friction to 
pull out the energy. So, but this particular band that we're in, I, I, it's the opposite. I go out there and I see friends shaking hands with everybody and asking the people what they want to hear. And um, we keep it very jovial and very party-like. And I kind of like that. spoke about covid and lockdown at the start what have you missed most about life on the road i wanted 
last year off completely from touring. I hate traveling because I've done it so much through my life. I hate getting to planes and, and trying to be somewhere. And uh, so to me, I thought, great, we'll take the year off. But it has gone on a bit too long. We've done a couple of those virtual shows and people were so happy when we did it. We're not very good at technical things, but we did at the beginning of this um, this whole lockdown, we set up our iPad and, and just sat and played and took requests, you know, on on the screen. And mm -hmm. but there's just there's just nothing like that live energy. The people were really happy and really excited to see us and, you know, to tune in from and we got they tuned in from all over the world. They were just so excited. Um you know, just to see us playing and, and talking to them and referring to them as they were typing in and taking the requests and playing the songs and seeing a natural environment like our home, you know, doing it there. So it was very intimate and very personal. And that's yes. got, a, that's a beautiful thing as it is. But there's just nothing like stepping on stage and, mm -hmm. and feeling that energy that you get from the audience. And I think that's something that we're, we're really missing. I don't lot. miss personally playing to 15,000, 250,000. I love to play to a hundred people because we're all a community and we all just pull together and it's like a party time. There's nothing like waking up in a castle or going to perform at a castle and putting your hands on that stone and feeling that it's been there for hundreds and hundreds, in some case over a thousand years and the, the foundations of the stone and wondering about the stories it can tell yes. and trying to channel these stories or finding out about the local folklore or Stonehenge. walking down cobblestone streets, right? Exactly. Every yes area that we've been Absolutely. has had their own like amazing tales and stories that we often use as inspiration for our songs. Not only can we yes. find out musically and regionally, you know, about um, what songs were, were going on in those yes. areas, and we discover new musical inspirations from the places that we toured in, but lyrically too, all the legends and myths and things that, you know, that stories, folklore that people have told us about their specific Absolutely. regions. So. I mean, you can Google all this stuff, but but there's nothing like hands-on, laying your hands mm -hmm. on a, a stone foundation castle wall and just feeling that energy. Absolutely. Right? Blackmore's night are known for playing in some pretty spectacular settings, uh, castles and the like. What makes it so special as opposed to a modern venue? We are so lucky in our band that Richie has been has such a love of castles, historical venues, and mainly in Germany, which is our strongest market, really. So he knows more about the castles in Germany than the local Germans do in the towns that are there. And he's often educated the German people mm. on a lot of the castles that are, are in these towns. He reads about yes. them. He studies them. He's stayed at them. He's played at them. Um, and he's been doing that for many, many years. Actually, often, from what I remember, when he was on tour with Deep Purple, they would stay in main towns and he would take his own personal roadie and go miles out into the countryside in a castle and just stay by himself in the castles That's while true. the rest of the band would stay in the modern hotel with the room service and, you know, in town, in but, the city. That's true. They would always stay in the nearest um, hotel to the city that we were playing in. And I would always like to go probably 100 miles away to stay in the castle. Mm -hmm. And um, there's just something, there's, there's a, a magnetic feel about staying in a castle. Um, it, again, it's the earthiness, the stone. I, I'm obsessed with castles, yet if you know the history of a lot of castles, there's been so much, so many problems, mm. but I think it's, it's the music. I can relate to what the music might have been in that castle in the 1500s. You know, the minstrels and playing of the shawms, the hurdy-gurdies, and all the organic instruments. And um, so I feel very comfortable in a castle. Um, Plus there's a sound element. I think when we're playing outside, not only do you have the castle as your own backdrop, which is incredible, but the sound that you can get from it when the, the instruments are yes. kind of bouncing off yeah. the, the stone walls yeah. and it has its own natural echo and it's just beautiful. Absolutely. A lot of resonance in a, a castle. The, the sound just travels. The moon is rising overhead. There's clock towers that are chiming in the distance and fields that just go on forever. And yes. I, I just, I feel like if you 
get to be enraptured by that magic or those magical moments once in your lifetime, it's something you remember forever. And we are so blessed that we're able to to experience that and enjoy that and love and feel that so deeply every time we get on stage. It's that's just incredible to me.
Can you tell me what and who you're influenced by? I could mention bands from different regions that are big in those regions or even in that genre of music, but then you get out of that and nobody knows. Well, we are. were all, all... Like Nordman. 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 It's amazing. They're a Scandinavian band. Yes. And um, they did some excellent music, playing a lot with nickel harps. A nickel, a nickel harp is a very interesting instrument. came about around the 1300s, 1400s, preceded the violin, and it had pegs like a hurdy-gurdy. And we were doing a fan show somewhere, somewhere in Germany in a castle to make a change. And um, the fans presented me with a nickel harp. They said, just play it. So I went, uh, I have no idea what the hell to play with this. It's two octave pegs, chromatic. And um, anyway, I learned to play it to impress a few people at a party. I could play party pieces on it now, and I, I do add the nickel harp sometimes to certain music that we, we play and record. But it's a, it's a great instrument. It has four strings other than the main strings, and you have like 16 sympathetic strings so that certain notes will ring more than others. And it's played with a bow, and you, and you play the pecs. Now I've become glued to that instrument. It's a fantastic instrument, once you get a little bit of knowledge of it. So I include that quite often, and I often play to myself around the house um, the nickel harp, plus the mandola, which is over there above the, fa the fireplace. And that is a, an eight-string instrument that was played back in the 1400s, 1500s. And that's tuned very differently to most instruments. And it has a drone factor to it. And drones were very important in the 14 and 1500s. Of course, especially back in the 1200s in the uh, King Alphonse and uh, people like that the uh, Candigas Santa Maria, uh, the drone was very important to monks singing and they would have that drone going through the basses and they really didn't have any bars to their music, which was very peculiar because sometimes you couldn't quite figure out how that was written. I know some of the inspirations that I like to listen to is, of course, we mentioned Sarah Brightman. I think she's amazing. Not only the old stuff like the song that we recorded, Second Element, but also um, Eden, Maluna, yes. Harem. There's, there's so just amazing um, her vocal prowess and, and the songs that she chooses and the way that she can change her voice into this big, booming opera voice. Into mm -hmm. not, not that that not that we try to emulate that, but it's definitely inspirational to be able to listen to that. Um, also, Maggie Riley, I think, is incredible. Maggie Riley's work with Michael Oldfield, and Fantastic. even without without Midnight Sun, when um, mm -hmm. there's so many songs that she's done, which I know a lot more people obviously know her overseas. Mm -hmm. Like I might say, here it's obscure to know her, but over there, people are like I know exactly who Maggie Riley is. Again, we're back to they don't play that on the radio here, right? And but songs like had... Back to France or yes. uh, Moonlight Shadow. Um, Moonlight Shadow is one of the songs that inspired us to do Shadow of the Moon in the first place. Absolutely. So that was um, her work with Michael Oldfield. Yes. My father said to me, he said, you, don't you think it's a bit <coughs> risky going over into Renaissance music when you've been known for rock and roll? And I was like, I know it is. Very it, was brave. Almost, it was a form of kind of suicide, but I had to do it. I had loved Renaissance music ever since 19... 76 when I heard David Monroe and the early music concert of London. They were playing all this music by Tilman Sassato and it just overwhelmed me. I just felt that it was so organic and right. Mm. And ever since then, I've, I've been fans of that music. And how do you create your music? What What's the process for you guys? So our creative process is usually that Richie okay. will come out with the music, right? He's often just sitting, playing the guitar, whether it's outside on the deck to the birds and, yes. and the water or um, sitting inside on the couch or in front of a fireplace. He's always, always playing. So he comes up with just incredible melodies. And then I'm 
usually around, so <laughs> I'm not running with the kids. So um, he'll often call me in and say, I've come up with this idea. Mm. Here's a melody line, hum it, or you know, just hum along and let's see if it works. And from there, I just kind of absorb, I feel like his melodies are always so visual, even if they're instrumentals or if they're songs not yet done, waiting to be completed in, in lyrical form. So it's so easy to just close your eyes and listen to the melody and then channel it and see the pictures that are painted in your head as to what the melody wants to be about. Like, I feel like they always, the melody will always tell you and lead you down that path. So I just kind of try to um, imagine the, the pictures painted in my head and make that into words that hopefully other people relate to and resonate with on a, a deeper emotional level. Um, and it could be about, you know, some legends or myths like we, we mm -hmm. love to get inspired by legends, myths and fairy tales are a big inspiration nature, obviously. Um, but hopefully with a very um, deep emotional connection, we usually go in with just the skeletal idea, which means I'll just sing it and he'll play mm -hmm. it on acoustic guitar. Yes. And we map it and then we kind of flesh it out from there. Yes, we do.
Richie, you stated previously that you always wanted to start a medieval music project, but were you worried about balancing authenticity with pop sensibilities? Do you think you've achieved this? I'm often drawn to doing it in a, a purist way with the right instruments, crumb horns, sack butts, mandolas, and then I'll think people just will not accept that. So we kind of compromise and we go in with a, maybe a synthesizer pulling up certain sounds. And that is a, a tricky position to be in because I'm always torn between let's keep it purist. And then I'm like, who am I kidding? Only I'm going to like it, nobody else. And Candice will put her little fairy dust on it and it will become a little bit more appropriate for the, uh, the average listener who hates Renaissance music. When did you discover Renaissance music? Uh, 1972. Although it can go back, I went to Sunday school in England once. And my mother and father thrashed me if I didn't go. So I turned up and there was this schoolboy there. I was about 10. He was singing Green Sleeves. And I was so taken by that melody. It just took me back to another time. That's where it started. This drug of Renaissance music grabbed me. And then back in 1972, I heard David Monroe and the early music concert of London playing Tillman Susato, who was a very famous composer back in the 1500s, a thing called Dancerai. And uh, that sold me. After that, all I did was, after my shows with Deep Purple and Rainbow, I would go back to the hotel and play Renaissance music in the hotel. And often get complaints from the people next door. But uh, that's where it started. How about yourself? I never heard Renaissance music before I met Richie. Mm. He introduced me to it. It was me making her sing and play this music. In fact, we, we were in, uh, I think, New Hope, New Jersey. And we picked up a recorder. And uh, Candice played it Im immediately. And I said, well, you, you've obviously had lessons, hadn't you? She said, I've never had lessons, right? <laughs> no, I never did. And she just played all these instruments. She started playing the racket, the, um, the crumb horns and the... Uh, um, shawms. The shawms and the Roush Fipe. Yeah. And she's had no teaching whatsoever, which was very bizarre. I mean, that stuff, bizarre. if you play... It's not chromatic for a start. It's not like a piano where you just go up chromatically. These are all different shapes and different fingerings. She knew it. And to this day, that's remained an enigma of how the hell does she know that? Just, how the hell did you know? I don't know. I'm teaching myself. I'm yes. just trying, feeling my way. He would only play tapes of Renaissance or medieval music throughout the house. And I remember one day looking out the window and the deer were on the front lawn and snow was coming down and listening to this music and everything just clicked. It sounded like, like that music was perfect for the visual. It was the perfect meeting of audio and, and visual and like they married perfectly. And you just got this hum, like this amazing vibe, this energy that mm -hmm. everything was perfectly placed at that moment. And I think that's what just made me, it just resonated with yes. me at that point. The deluxe edition of Nature's Light has two short stories by your daughter, Autumn, and a painting by your son, Rory. What advice would you give them if they wanted to pursue a career in, in, in the arts or music? Yes, so our daughter, Autumn, has written some of the stories that are included in Nature's Light. And my our son, Rory, he's, so Autumn is 10 and Rory is 8. And Rory did a beautiful painting of artwork of, a sun coming up, some beautiful art there. Um, but musically, although Autumn is an amazing um, writer as far as short stories are concerned, musically, Autumn plays cello, plays guitar, picked it up so easily. Well, she's got the best teacher, <laughs> of course, for guitar. Mm. But um, so they have their own little jam sessions. Um, but she's got, what, a three and a half octave range? She does, mm -hmm. yes. 
And Rory sings as well. He's amazing and he plays the drums. He's the percussionist in our uh, family band. But nice. I, I like the, the information that you tell people whenever anybody's looking for advice in the musical world. Do you remember what it was? Um, get a proper job. I thought it was you learn your first three chords. Oh, and yes, yes, okay. Um, something I should have done when after I learned my first three chords was to get a good lawyer. Because <laughs> this industry because will eat you alive. they will try and seal everything you make, which is terrible, but I don't take it personally because it's happened to everybody in the business. Luckily, we have a good manager now. Mm. But as far as our kids are concerned, I mean, if they want to get into whatever industry they want to get into, I guess we'll be supportive of them, of course. Yes. Thank you both so much. I wish you every success with Nature's Light and hope to catch you soon.
Welsh Connections is brought to you by Madcap Global Entertainment. Northwest, Aberdeer, Port Madog, Cogan, 